Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Because that's the whole purpose of this series, right? Is to bridge that gap. We want to meet you where you're at so that way we can bring you along in the journey. Amen? All right. So that brings us to this, the big question of the morning, right? What is faith? How does it work? And how does it apply to my life? So this morning, we're going to stay, we're going to stay in the book of Hebrews. But we're going to back up a little bit from where, where we are in chapter 11 to chapter 10, all right? And so if you've never read the book of Hebrews, the author of this book is, is talking, talking to the church, and he's addressing the people in the church in this chapter, in chapter 10, at the end of chapter 10, he kind of summarizes it. He's addressing this group because they're struggling with their faith. They're at a time in their life where they're struggling with do I continue to serve God? Because maybe things aren't going exactly how they, I want them to. Maybe, maybe things are tougher than I, than I thought that they were going to be. And the author of Hebrews, he recognizes this and he says, look, I've got, I've got good news for you, all right? I've got, I've, got a word, I've got a now word for you that's going to meet you where you are, that's going to help drag you out of that place of where you're feeling down, you're feeling low, you're feeling uncertain, and I've got a good word for you, amen? So right here in Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, it says, do not therefore abandon that boldness of yours. It brings a great reward. He's telling them, don't let go of the faith that God has already given you because it brings a great reward. For you need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. Y'all remember that line right there. My righteous one will live by faith. He says, my soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back and so are lost. But we are among those who have faith and so it preserves our souls. He's telling them, you are not those weak ones who shrink back. You are not those weak ones that, that fall away. You are those ones that stand in your faith and it preserves your soul. Because he said that the righteous will live by faith. You know, he he's tells them that he's writing them so they don't give up and walk away from their faith. You see, faith, whatever faith is, I know we haven't quite got there yet, but, but whatever this faith thing is, it's not a moment that we arrive at. It's not, it's not a season or an event. It's a lifestyle that we live. That's what he says, right? That the righteous ones, righteous, what does righteous mean? Righteous means that I'm right standing with God. So those of us that are in right standing with God, we do this thing. We have this lifestyle that we call living by faith, right? Amen? So faith is not a concept you visit. It's a lifestyle that you possess because it is because the righteous live by faith, all right? So it's not just this idea, it's not just this ideology that we have that we visit every once in a while. You know, if things start going bad, well, I'm gonna run over to my faith. If, if, I, if I'm questioning what's going on in my life, I'm gonna run over to my faith. No, it is a lifestyle that I possess. It's something that's in my possession. It's the heartbeat of my life. It's the heartbeat of my spiritual life. It drives me, it, it pushes me to live in, a, in this certain way, Amen. 
you know, so this is kind of a tough word, but if, if you're not living by faith right now, it's because you're not yet righteous, right? Maybe, you're, maybe that you're not yet truly, fully in right standing with God. And I know, that's a, I know that's a tough thing. That's something I struggled with even saying because I'm preaching to myself here too, right? I'm not up here wagging my finger this way. I'm doing it this way, <laughs> okay? You know, but, but there are, there's times in my life too where, where I, do, I do have moments where I struggle, right? We all do. I mean, we have to be completely honest that we struggle with, with what God is telling us. We struggle with what we see. We struggle with what we're going through, Right? And so we have to ask ourselves, am I living by faith? Because if we're not living by faith, then we're not fully experiencing God in our circumstances. You know, if you wonder why you feel like you're in the situation that you're in and you feel like you're down, you feel like you're alone, you feel like God has abandoned you, you feel like whatever it is that you're reaching out and you feel like you're in a place where where you just don't have what it takes, just like, the, just like this church that the author of Hebrews was talking to. It's because unless we live by faith, unless we possess that lifestyle, then we cannot fully experience this, what, what God has for us in our life, what, how God can act in our circumstances, amen? Thank you, Lord. So this raises the question, what is faith and how does it work? So we're getting there, I promise, all right? So this is Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. It says, now faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors, they received approval. That means that those that were before us in faith, those in the, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the Bible, the people, the people in the early church, maybe even some of the people you know in your life, those that have lived this thing called faith that we're about to find out in a moment what it truly is, that they've lived this life, the word says that they were approved by God because of that faith. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? Like all we have to do is figure out what this is and we can be approved by God too. We can be, we can join that number and we can be a part of those who have already been approved by God. Those have been, who enjoy the promises of God in every circumstance in their life. Amen. Amen. And it goes on to say in verse three, that by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. It says worlds there. So not only our earth, but every galaxy, every planet, every universe, whatever's out there. It's, it's, it's unimaginable how big the world is, how big the universe is, how big everything at, that is out there in space is. And that's what the word says here. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Amen. So that means that if we go back and he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, then that means that faith has to have some kind of substance, right? You know, it has to have something that we can rely on, something that we can grasp onto, because there's, that's what it says, that, that faith is this substance of things hoped for. Substance is a real thing, right? It's something that, it's something that you can lean on and that you can grasp on and that you can trust in. So that means that faith is only as reliable as the substance 
that it's attached to. All right? So let me, let me explain what I mean by that. You can have faith in something that is unreliable and bad, and you'll get little to no results or bad results, right? But you can also have faith in, in a substance that is reliable, a substance that is good, a substance that is worthy, and great things will come out of that situation. So there's something there that when we place our faith, when we place our hope into this substance that we're hoping for, of things that we're hoping for, that something happens. If it's a good substance, good things happen. If it's a bad substance, then either nothing or bad things happen. Amen? So the amount of your faith isn't tied to how much faith you have. It's tied to the worth of the substance that you are putting it in. Does that make sense to you all? It's not tied to if I just have a tiny little bit of faith. Because I can have the smallest, tiniest amount of faith. And I can put that faith in this great substance and great things, <clears throat> great things will happen in my life. Amen? Amen. But I can have huge amount of faith. I can put all my trust, all my hope, all my dreams in this bad substance and not good things are going to happen. Right? I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I really want that to sink in. That, that's, what, that's what this scripture means. Because when I was a little kid, even in my teenage years, you know, I, I've heard this scripture a million times, right? That faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And like, there's a lot of times where I heard that and I was just like, man, that sounds good. Like, that's a good word. I really like that. What in the world does that actually mean? <laughs> you know, and, I, and if you're honest, I know probably some of y'all feel the same way. Like, man, that, that's an encouraging word. And it would be even more encouraging if I actually understood what it meant, right? So that's what I'm trying to express here is that, that there, there is a substance there, right? So to understand faith, you have to look at the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So let's talk about just for a minute what faith is not, okay? Because I think, I think it's important for us to understand what faith is not to fully grasp and to fully understand what faith is, amen? So faith is not a feeling. Faith is not an emotion that we experience, and the reason why is because our, our emotions and our, our feelings, they don't have intellect, right? And what I mean by that is when, when things are good, we feel good. When things are bad, we feel bad. When things are good, our emotion is that we're happy. When things are bad, our emotion is that we are sad or depressed or anxious or whatever it is. And so, so the, our situation is informing our emotions, but not our mind, because you can be at a place where you don't feel like you have a lot of faith. Your emotions are down. You feel down. You're depressed. You don't feel like you have a lot of faith, but intellectually, you know the truth, and, you, and you're standing strong in your faith. So it's not about what we feel in that moment, and the opposite is true. Man, there's a lot of times where people have a lot of hubris, right? And they have a lot of, they're, they're very prideful and they're like, man, yeah, I, I trust God. And, you know, they feel high on the mountain and they're all these kind of things. But the reality is, is that they don't have faith at all or they have very little. And so we can't rely on our emotions. It's kind of like when you're riding a roller coaster, right? 
you know, I, I've got a funny story that I'll tell real quick. So Sherry and I, when we were dating, we went to Astroworld one time. And, you know, we we're still kind of getting to know each other and stuff. And she told me that she was, like, scared of roller coasters, but she didn't tell me that she was terrified of them. Like, that's totally different. And so, like, so like we, you know, we're there, like, all day long. And I don't know if you all remember World. Some of you are probably too young. But it's hot. It's July. We're standing in line for, like, an hour and a half to ride this roller coaster. And we get up there, and we're, like, the next group of people to get on. And the operator's like, hey, I'm so sorry that we're going to have to shut things down the roller coaster's broken. I'm like, oh man, you know, that happens sometimes. So we go over to another one and we get in line and the same thing happens again. And we go to another one and we get in line and the same thing happens again. And then finally Sherry confesses, hey, I've been praying this whole time that every single roller coaster were break. <laughs> because she was so terrified of them. So if y'all want to know about faith, go talk to my wife. <laughs> but my point is, is that when, we, when we're standing there in line for a roller coaster, intellectually, we know what to expect, right? We see the big loop-de-loops, we see the big drops, and we know that they test these things for safety. You know, they, 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 they maintenance these things. Like, you know, if nobody died on the ride before me, I'm probably not gonna die either, right? But what is our body telling us? You know, you get up on that thing and it starts clicking, click, click, and your stomach starts turning and your heart starts racing. Your body, your emotions, your feelings are telling you, hey, fool, you're about to die. Like, what are you doing up here? You know, but intellectually, I know that I'm going to be just fine, right? I may, I may scream. I may cry. Some people may, you know, toss their guts over the side, but they're going to be okay, right? They know that they're going to come out the other side. And so we can't we have to be the same way with our faith. Our faith can't be tied to our emotions. Our faith can't be tied to the experience that we're going through at the moment. We have to have this knowledge of who God is, and we have to have this knowledge of what faith is. Amen? Amen. So faith is tied to the substance that is not yet seen or experienced by our senses, but that you are convinced is real. That substance is based on the integrity of the subject that is asking for our faith. So, so this is something that we haven't seen, we haven't felt, but we know is real because we're putting all of our faith, we're putting all of our hope in the integrity of this substance, this object, this person who's asking us for our faith in the first place. Well, who is that person? It's the true living God. Amen? The true living God is asking us to put our faith in him. He's asking us, he's telling us, hey, I am that substance. I am, I am that substance of the thing that you're hoping for. And I have integrity. That's what God is telling us. He shows us in his word. He's telling us that I am the one that is requesting your faith based on my integrity, based on what I've said I will do, based on what I have done. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So, you know, this whole, this whole series that, that we're going through, I noticed that I walk to the right a lot. I don't ever walk to the left. I don't know if that bothers anybody. Sorry. <laughs> Random ADD thought. So, uh, so uh, we're learning about faith, right, in this series. And faith really is the most important one out of, out of all these weeks that we're going to be doing. And let me tell you why. 
in Hebrews eleven six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would approach God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The word says that it is impossible to please God without faith. That we have to not only believe that he exists, but that we also have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. You know, there's a lot of people who believe in God, but they don't believe that he is here to reward them. And that's what the word says. That's how we truly please God, is that that we please him with our faith. And what is our faith made up? Our faith is made up of believing who he is and believing that he will do what he said he will do. Amen. Those are the key things. That's, that's the key thing of this whole thing. We can learn about repentance. We can learn about the baptisms. We can learn about the judgment day. We can learn about all of these things. But if faith doesn't become real to us, if faith, if we don't have a true understanding of what faith means, if we don't have a true belief that God is God and that he will do what he said he will do, then we're just getting head knowledge. We're just, we're just getting information. And we live in the information age, right? You can look up anything on your phone right now, literally anything in the world. Hey, YouTube, I want to learn how to do brain surgery. And you can watch somebody do brain surgery. You know, I, won't, I don't recommend trying it yourself, but, you know, the, the, the knowledge is there, right? And that, that's the age we live in. And so we have this mindset that we, if we gain knowledge, then we know something about that subject, but the reality is, is there's a lot of things that we learn about. There's a lot of things that we watch and that we, that we consume, but we don't ever actually put it into practice. You know, like a few years ago, I, I was watching all these leatherworking um, videos on, on YouTube and different things. And so for that year for Christmas, I asked Sherry and the boys, hey, buy me some leather, buy me some leather working tools and this and that. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be really awesome. You know, and then I sat down and I started to do it. And I was like, man, this is hard. Like, <laughs> it's not as easy as those guys show up, you know, and it's something I'm still working on. But my point is, is that a lot of times we get this intellectual knowledge of things and it gives us this false sense of, oh, now I know what to do. But then when we actually actually go put it into practice, it's hard. And it's not just this easy thing that we do. It's not just this, this thing that just kind of happens. Like it takes courage. It takes a moment where you have to make a decision about, am I, am I truly going to meet God where, where he said he will meet me? Am I truly going to, am I just going to learn about intellectually what God has told me? Or am I going to put this into action? Right? That's, why, that's why the word says that, that we walk by faith. We don't just talk about it. We don't just you know, kind of sit around and have discussions about it, go to classes about it. No, it's something that we put into action because until we put it into action, we can't experience God in our circumstances, amen? That's how this whole thing kind of comes back full circle. If I want to experience God in my circumstances, good and bad, then I have to step out. I have to take action. Action, and I have to step out into this thing called faith. I have to trust that God is who he says he is. And I have to trust that he said he will do what he's going to do for me. Amen. 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 
Tony Evans, he's, he's one of my favorite preachers, and he said it this way. He said, faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Amen? Come on. That's a good word right there. It says that faith is acting like it is so. That doesn't mean I'm faking it till I make it. That's not what he's talking about acting there. It's not, oh, you know, I'm just pretending to have faith until it happens. No, what he's talking about there is faith is acting. Faith is taking an action. Even though I don't see that this situation has happened in my life yet, even though I can't feel it in my emotions, even though I can't see it with my senses, even though it's not right in front of me, God said that it's going to happen, so I know that it's going to happen, amen? I don't have to wait around and have faith when it happens. I'm going to have faith right now because I know who God is, and I know that he is going to do what he said he's going to do, amen? You know, uh, I, I uh, got a phone call from my son, Sammy. I'm just going to give him a happy birthday plug real quick. Happy birthday today, Sam. <laughs> but uh, I, I got a call from Sammy. He's like, it was like 10 o'clock at night. And he, he never calls me that late. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, he's embarrassed over there. But, but, uh, but he, he gave me a call. And it was like 10 o'clock at night. And he never calls me that late. I know that's not that late. But you know what your kid's schedules are. And if you get a call from your kid like in the night and it's unexpected, like, you know, it's never good, right? He's not like calling me, hey, dad, what's up? He's like, hey, dad, I hit a curb under an underpass that didn't have any lights. They were in Houston and he flattened both of his tires. And uh, so we had it towed. And so me and my dad, I asked my dad, hey, can you go with me next weekend and let's go work on Sam's car? So we go to Houston and we figure out what's going on. We take the tires off. One of the, ti- one of the wheels was bad, so we went and got a wheel. We went and got new tires, and his struts, one of the struts got ruined, so we went and got struts, and we put the struts on, and that we're good. Like, we had, the car looks good. It's back, and then my dad gets down, and he's like, hey, there's something leaking under there, and I'm like, oh, man, not, not, now what? And we thought maybe his oil pan was cracked, so we get under there, and his transmission is leaking, and that's never a good thing. And so we thank, thank the Lord. We find out that it's, it was something real easy. There's like a little seal on the axle that when he hit the curb, it broke that seal. And so that's all we had to do. Well, we went to, you're in Houston, right? You think that, hey, I'm in Houston. If I need a part for a car, I can find it somewhere. You know, I mean, there's like a million auto parts stores in Houston. So we call like five or six different places and no one has it. It's a special order type of deal. And so... I was like, okay, no big deal. We'll come back next weekend. And my grandma said he'd use his car or whatever. And so the part actually came in later that day. And so my, I called my dad and I told him what happened. And my dad was like, uh, hey, can we go back tomorrow? It's, it's on Sunday. And I was like, I can't go. I'm serving at church. And he's like, well, don't worry about it. I'll go. I'll go and I'll, and I'll do it with Sam. And I was like, man, I was like, that's, that's awesome, dad. I really, I really appreciate that. You know, and when my dad told me, hey, I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to fix his car for him and I'm going to have him help me and I'm going to do it, I didn't, I didn't line up a backup plan. I didn't look for another solution because my dad is a man of integrity, right? And I trust him. I trust him with my life. And so if he tells me that he's going to do something, then I know he's going to do it, right? And so I didn't call the next morning and be like, hey, dad, are you still headed to Sam's? No, I knew. I knew where he was going. 
I knew what was going to happen. I knew he was going to go there and he was going to do what he said he was going to do. So that brings us to this story, this, this scripture that Jesus was talking about. Luke 11, 9 through 13, it says, So I ask you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asked for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asked for an egg, would give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So right here, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, right? He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the bigger picture here that he's talking about is he's talking about if you men who can lie, who can cheat, who can steal, who can be corrupt, have enough integrity to do good things for your children, how much more will the heavenly father do those things for you? The God who says that I will never leave you or forsake you. The God that calls us the head and not the tail. The God who says that my promises are yes and amen. If that God is telling you that he's going to do something, how much more should we trust that he will do what he said he will do? Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's not a bad thing to trust men. But men don't have perfect integrity. Even the best men that we know, even though I literally trust my father with, with my life, and I know there's probably people in your life that you feel the same way, like you would literally trust them with your life because you know that they have integrity. You know that they will do what they said. They are, those people are still susceptible right? Because they're still human. But God's integrity is without fault. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God's integrity is without fault. Come on, go ahead. Say it. God's integrity is without fault. Do you know what that means? That means God's integrity, it cannot be diminished. God's integrity cannot be taken away. God's integrity is that he says that I'm not a man that could lie. You know, God's integrity says that, that, that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And we have evidence in the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So if you don't know what faith is now, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> you know, but uh, so I'm going to kind of move on here. So those of us who have, you know, kind of been in, been in this faith walk for a little while, uh, we, may, we may be at a place where we're starting to learn more and more about the Word of God, right? We've been studying the Word. We've been reading books. We've been watching other preachers. We've been going through discipleship classes. We've been doing all these kind of things. And it's really easy to kind of get to a place where we start to decide what we believe and what we don't believe, right? We kind of get to this place where we kind of start to cherry pick through the word of God because I'm comfortable with this, but I may not be so comfortable with that. And it's something that I'm, I'm guilty of also. You know, I'm just being transparent. You know, I've been, I've been saved since my early 20s, so probably for like around 20 years now. And... Uh, you know, I've been, I've, I've been through discipleship. I've learned how to preach. I've learned how to study the word. I've learned all of these things. And there are a lot of times that I've come across things in the word where it's a hard word. 
and it challenges you and it shakes your it shakes your perspective on what you thought you knew about something, right? It shakes your, it's this paradigm shift of, man, I thought that this is the way things were, but this is what the word of God actually says about it. This is what the word of God actually means about it. You know, there are currently right now, and I did some research on this, there are currently 41,000 different Christian denominations active in the world right now. You know, here in America, we think about Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Church of God, Pentecostal. You know, there's probably like 10 or 15 that anybody in this building could name off. But there is such a, there, there's such a flaw in our human nature, right, about what we truly believe about the word of God and what we truly desire to live out in our life, that there are 41,000 different groups of people that said, no, you're not right. I'm right. (laughs) And we're guilty too, right? Because that's why we're here, right? We're in this church because we believe what this church preaches. And we're saying, well, maybe some of the others we agree with, but not all of them, right? You know, and that, and that's just kind of our human nature, you know, and I know, I know that it's, it's impossible to truly know like everything about the word. Even, even Paul talks about how there's great mysteries in the word that even he didn't understand. And he was the guy writing a lot of the New Testament. You know, he's writing things down and he's like, this is what the Lord told me to write down, but I don't actually fully understand <laughs> what this is. And so that's not what I'm really talking about. What I'm talking about is the promises and the commands that you know to be true. The things that God has revealed to you directly through his word, directly through your pastors, directly through discipleship, yet you still don't trust God to come through in those things, right? We've all been there. Like we have these promises, we have this knowledge, we know these things, but we're like, man, maybe that's just too hard. Or even more so, they don't line up with our political or our social agenda, that's a big thing in our country right now, right? You know, people, people who are people of faith talk about politics a lot more than they talk about Jesus. You know, just get on Facebook for five minutes and you'll see it. You know, I've seen people talk a whole lot more about who their favorite politician is than who their favorite savior is. And that's, and that's where we're at right now. And I'm not just talking about to the left. I'm not just talking to the right. I'm talking to people who say that I'm a Christian, but they tag it with, I'm a conservative Christian. I'm a liberal Christian. I'm a Republican Christian. I'm a Democrat Christian. I'm anything in between type of Christian. See, the problem with that is that they are taking this world system and they are filtering their faith through this world system to come and say, this is what I believe. They're taking the word of God and they're filtering it through what people in the world are saying. Politicians are saying, social people are saying, the news is saying, they're taking these things and they're filtering it through that. And then they come out through the end with this thing that they think is their faith. And the exact opposite is what should be happening. We should be taking what is happening around the world around us. We should be taking those circumstances. We should be taking those things that people are telling us are true and filtering it through the word of God. And let's see what comes out on the other side. Amen. We can't take the word of man over the word of God. We can take the man of the word of man and pass that through the filter of the word of God. Amen. And what comes out on the other side is what we should put our faith in. What comes out on the other side is what God truly said. It's not what some man told us was right or wrong. It's what the word of God said. Amen.
We cannot pick and choose what we believe about the word, of what the word of God says. You see, when we do not exercise faith, this, is a tough, this was a tough one for me when I was really thinking about this. When we do not exercise faith in a situation, not only it's, we like to call it unbelief, we like to call it, you know, doubt or whatever, but what's really happening in that situation, when I don't exercise faith in a situation, I am challenging God's integrity. I'm telling God, I don't believe you. That's, what, that's the truth of it. When you, are, when you don't exercise faith in every, every situation in your life, that's what you're telling God. You're telling God, I don't believe you. And man, that's a tough pill to swallow right there. That, that may be one of the things on your checklist of, I'm not sure if I believe that or not. <laughs> because that, that's a tough thing to receive, right? That, that, that we can do that to God. You know, how many times do people in your life come up to you and you don't actually trust that person, but you're also kind of nice and you don't want to hurt their feelings. So even though you're just going to totally disregard what they tell you about something, you sit there and listen and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good. You know, whatever, whatever, because you don't want to hurt their feelings. But there's so many times when God tells us that he's going to do something and we tell God, you know, God, I don't know if that's actually going to work. I don't know if, that's your, if you're actually going to do that for me. So how much more should we be sensitive to offending God when we're not afraid to offend people? You know, we're, we, we, take, we, take, we take that situation and we flip it in reverse. Would you really be willing if God was in front of you and God told you to your face, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Would you really be willing to tell him, you know, I don't know if you're actually going to do that or not. You know, it's very unlikely. Let's move on here. I got, a, I got a little bit of time left. So Hebrews 11.6, again, it said, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would approach God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. When we have faith in God, it pleases him. And he rewards us with all of his promises and all of his blessings. When you have faith, when you believe who he is and you believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, all of his promises, everything that he said he would do for his people, you are in that group. There is no need for you to doubt whether or not you're good enough, whether or not God sees you, whether or not, oh, well, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I came from. God, God, man, maybe he saved me, but there's no way that he can put me in the same group as these other people because you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been from, but that's not what the word says. The word says that if you have faith in God, that you believe he exists and that you believe that he will do what he said he will do, that all of his promises are available to you. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm almost done here. So I want to address this last group. You know, those of you who are strong in your faith, those of you who have, like, been through the fire, you've been, you've been through the mud, you've been through the muck, and you came out on the other side with your faith still intact. You weren't shaken, you weren't pushed away, you weren't, there's no doubt in your life of who God is and, and that there's no doubt there that you know that if God says he's gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. That's where you're at in your life. 
you have a very important role in the church. Hebrews 11.2, let's go back to that. It says, indeed by faith, our ancestors received approval. So I'm not calling y'all ancestors. Don't tell Pastor Emily I called y'all old, okay? <laughs> but what I'm saying here is that if you go on to read the rest of the chapter, uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, the author begins to speak about all these heroes of faith. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Sarah. He talks about Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth. He talks about David, Samuel. He mentions all of these prophets. And what was, it, what was it that was so important about mentioning these people? It was because their testimony gave proof to God's goodness. Their testimony gave proof to God's integrity, right? Because if Abraham wouldn't have told his sons about what God had done for him, and then they hadn't told their sons and on and on and on, and that David hadn't written down these songs and, these, and, these, and this poetry of God's goodness to be passed on to generation after generation, then how would we know of God's goodness? What would we have to look back on to be able to know that God is a God of integrity? And so what I'm telling you this morning, if you are that one, if you're the one who has been through it, if you're the one who's come through the other side with faith, God is calling you to reach out to those others in church that may be young in Christ, that may, that may be brand new, fresh, they may be babies, and it's important for you to go to them and to tell them of your testimony of God's goodness in your life. It's important for you to go to them and say, I can tell you that God is a God of integrity because this is what he did. Did for me and my family. This is how he healed me. This is how he brought me out of unrighteousness. This is how he saved me from a life of sin. You can tell them that I know personally. You can see me right in front of you and I can tell you I know personally that God is a God of integrity. You know, we need to make sure that when we do that, we don't take the opportunity to look down on those people. Because when you go to someone to tell them your testimony, God is leading you to that because they are in a time and a place in their life where they may be struggling with something. They may be struggling with sin. They may be struggling with sickness. They may be struggling with whatever it is that God has led you to lead, to lead you to tell them of your testimony about what God has done in your life. And it's so important to remember and to look back and say, hey, I was there. I was that weak one at one time. I was that one struggling with sin one time. I was that one who was lost. And God had mercy on me. God had grace on me. So how much more grace and mercy should I have when I reach out to someone, not in judgment, but in love, and to show them that not only is God an awesome God, not only is God a God of power, not only is God real, but he's a God that loves you just like he loved me just how he pulled me out of that situation that you're in right now, he's going to do the same thing for you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to close with this. Faith is grounded in the fact that we know God is a God of integrity. He is a God who will do what he said he would do. I know I said that a hundred times during this message and I'll say it a hundred more if that's what it takes for you to understand that God is a God of integrity. 
That means he will do what he said he will do. And if that doesn't explain to you what faith is, I, don't, I really don't know how else to say it because that's what faith is. Faith is believing. If I can believe in the integrity of my dad, if I can believe in the integrity of the elders in this church, if I can believe in the integrity of the pastor who preaches up here every Sunday and teaches my family and teaches me and who covers me with prayer, if I can believe in the integrity of those men, then who am I to tell God he's a liar? Who am I to doubt the integrity of the true living God? The second thing is that we cannot cherry pick what or when we believe him. Because just like I said a moment ago, when we do cherry pick through the word, when we do decide what we're going to believe and we're not going to believe, we're challenging God's very nature. We're challenging his integrity and his integrity is without fault. Some, somebody write that on their hand. <laughs> so throughout the week, you can look at it. God's integrity is without fault. Just to remind yourself when you're in it, when you're in the middle of it, when everything seems hopeless, when you feel like you're lost, when you feel like you're down and out, you can look at that on your hand and say, man, God's integrity is without fault. I know what the word says about my situation right now. I know that God will do what he said he's going to do for me because I believe that he is God and I believe that his promises are for me. And that qualifies you. That's the essence of faith. That's the essence of it. That's what qualifies you to this life. That's what qualifies you to fully experience God in every circumstance of your life. And this last one here, no matter where you're at in your personal walk, whether you're one of those baby Christians I talked about, whether you're somewhere in the middle or whether you're one of those that have been seasoned, your testimony is important to spreading the good news of the gospel. I don't care if you've been saved for two days, you can turn around and tell someone about Jesus. I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years, you can turn around and say, look, I've been through that. My family's been through that, and this is what God did because God is good. If you're somewhere in the middle, you can reach out to those around you. And even if it, even if it is someone who's been saved longer than you, your testimony can still be a blessing to them. You know why? Because it's not about you. It's about what God did in your life. It's about God's integrity. It's not about you. It's not about your story because God is the subject of that story. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I don't have anything super specific for people to come up and, and pray for, but I don't know, I just, I've just had that so heavy on my heart this, this week. That one, that one sentence, God's integrity is without fault. That's just something I've been meditating on. Do I truly believe that? Am I truly walking by faith? Because I can even get up here and preach it and I can sound good and I can, you know, talk loud and get you excited. But I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't keep that on my heart too. If I didn't check myself and say, do I believe everything that God said is true? 
And so even as leaders and even as, you know, people who share the word or whatever, we're not immune, we're not immune to this world. We're not immune to the pulls of, of the enemy. We have to check our hearts too. And so this week, as you go throughout your week, let that be your prayer. Let that, let that be something that you meditate on, that God's integrity is without fault, that I believe he is God and I believe that his promises are for me. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you are God of integrity. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is a rock. It is the foundation that we stand upon. It is the very thing that we filter everything through to see the truth, Father God, to see, Lord God, that you have good things for us, that you have every promise for us, Father God, that you will never leave us or forsake us, Father God. Lord God, that that when we hide in your shadow, Father God, that you protect us from the things of this world, even when we're going through those hard times and we may question, God, why am I going through this right now? And we may not understand why we're going through the things we go through, but we know that you're there with us because you are a God of integrity. You are a God who will do what he said he will do. So even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it, even when I don't know with my senses that it's gonna happen, I know in my spirit that it will happen because you said it will happen, Lord God. I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you are so mighty and so great, Lord God. And we just worship you this morning. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.